to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Today's challenge, see the process. So last week, many of you know that I was not here because I was in Kenya, and uh, for some of you that didn't know that, you're like, wait, what? You were in Africa? Yeah. I was in Africa a week ago, and uh, it, was a, it was an incredible experience. That was my fourth time over there. I absolutely love it over there. This time that I went, it was a little bit different. It was a different type of trip for me, and uh, it's, I've, been, I've been different when I came back. I, I don't, I'm going to get into that in a minute, I guess, but... Um, just, a, just hashtag transparent, hashtag real talk today, okay? Are we cool with that? Is that, is that okay with everybody? Because one thing at Anchor Church I like to say is that there's no actors here, and, uh, and that starts with me. I'm not gonna pretend that I've got everything down that we are gonna talk about, um, but that's, that's the whole purpose of doing this thing together, doing life together, going through God's word together, reading the scriptures, and, and, and just being able to be uh, real with each other, I think, I think is a really good thing, and it's, a, it's good for the culture of Anchor Church, and it's good for our environment. It's good to know that when you walk in today, that you walk into a room full of imperfect people, and uh, there's only one perfect person, and that was Jesus, and he's the one that makes us perfect. Uh, a relationship with him uh, completes us and makes us perfect so that we could spend an eternity with him. So one thing I want to do is I want to share just a little bit about what we were doing. I, it's not really what we were doing last week, but what you got to be a part of in Kenya. Because for our overflow offering, if you remember, one of the things that we were going to do is help refurbish a classroom in Kenya at the World Hope Academy where there are kids there that are going to school straight from the slum. It's an unusual circumstance there that where uh, a lot of these kids don't, they don't, they can't really afford to be able to go to a nice uh, accredited school. Accredited? That's not right, but you know what I'm talking about. In Kenya, and, uh, and this is a unique experience for a lot of them to be able to go to a school that uh, is giving them a great education. I went for my very first time I don't even know how long ago it was now, probably eight years ago, and, uh, and the place, has, it, it's changed my life, and I haven't been back in five and a half years, and so when I say that things aren't really, I'm being kind of weird, like my wife would say to you today, that it, it, I've been weird ever since I got back, I don't really know what's wrong with me, but I think it's because a piece of me is still there, uh, because at one point in my life, I thought that, uh, that God wanted me there. I thought that God was going to have my family move there and be, a, be living in, in Kenya as missionaries. Uh, I didn't really know what that was, but I, I, there's, there's a great way for us to still be a part of what's happening over there in Kenya, and I think that we have a tremendous opportunity this June to be a part of that, and I would love for you to continue to be a part of what's happening over there. But for me personally, it felt like there's, there's still a piece of me that's over there, and, um, and I think that I, ever since I got back, I've just been kind of just, doubt sinks in. Does, anybody, does doubt ever sink in to anybody, ever, yeah. right? Whether it's your profession or, or, or just anything. Um, so I, I've come back and, and a part of me is like, God, is this really, is Anchor Church, is this what you wanted me to do? Am I doing this selfishly? Is this, is this something that, that, I, that, that I feel like I have launched and, and it wasn't because of you? Um, there's, you know, I don't know if you come back, I came back and I'm not, I'm not doubting my marriage, but you, you wonder like through some of this stuff, anybody else doubt their marriage? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I'll be the one that gets in trouble today. Not you. Um, no, but like when you come back and you start thinking, man, is this, is this really what God wanted for me? Is this, is this what, is this what he's doing? Is this, is this who God wanted me for? I don't know if you ever think through these things, but these are things that I've been thinking through over the last week. 
And, um, and, and I, I one time was challenged with a thought, and, and it's been running through my mind over the last couple of days, and especially this morning, because I, I wasn't going to share everything that I'm sharing with you right now, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to, so I'm, I'm doing it. Um, but the, the quote was something like this. It was talking about doubt. You know, it, it, the measure of your doubt or the measure of your insecurities really is the measure of which, where your faith is. And so today, I, I, was, I was thinking about that this morning. I've been thinking about what I was going to share with you ever since I was in Kenya, and, um, and I thought about that, and I thought, man, that's kind of a kicker in the pants a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes you need those, but um, I'm still sharing what I wanted to share with you, but it comes from a different angle this morning. And, and so I want to I do that. But before we get into it, I, I just want to ask the Lord to, to bless this time and to to, to be a part of what we're doing here at Anchor Church this morning. So let's pray just one more time. Father, thank you for the day. We thank you for the words that you'll give me. Lord, I pray that they would be not my words at all, that they would 100% be your words. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would help us rise up against our insecurities and against the, the things that may drag us down. Uh, the songs that we sang today were perfect, that, Lord, that we would rise up and we would fight and that we would be encouraged by your word and encouraged by what you are doing in our life and what you have already done. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless this time and, uh, and bless everybody here today that they would be challenged by your word. We love you, and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I wanna share uh, a piece of scripture. I, I knew where Jordan was last week, and by the way, uh, he, I heard that he did a really good job, and I'm proud of that guy. I'm, I'm proud of Jordan for, for what he's, that was the first time he's ever spoke on a Sunday morning before. Um, and, but when, one thing I met with him before uh, at a Starbucks to just hear where his heart was and what he wanted to share this, this, that morning last week. And, um, and I was excited to hear what he was going to share and, and excited for, for, for everybody here to hear what he had to hear, had to say. And, um, and, and I started thinking about some, what he was gonna be sharing and, and, and I knew that he left off in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and I'm, I, I was challenged by God's word while I was in Kenya and I looked at it and it is literally, literally where he left off last week is where I wanted to start up this week and I didn't really know that until after he spoke. So I thought that that was pretty cool. But one time when I was over there in Kenya, we did two different things. We were part of an entrepreneur conference and we were part of a pastor's conference. And I was more so a part of the pastor's conference. And this pastor's conference was encouraging and developing pastors from all over the country of Kenya. Uh, some came far away to be a part of this pastor's conference. And uh, the whole theme of it, if you're familiar with uh, a lot of the Old Testament, the whole theme of it was passing the baton really kind of from Elijah to Elisha. And this, this idea of, of transformation that happens within the church and within leadership and, uh, and just the importance of, of, of handing over from generation to generation and doing it successfully and, and handing it over well. And, um, and so I got a chance to, to hear a lot of great speaking, but I got the, the chance to, to sit down and talk to a lot of guys that I respect that would be the Elijahs in my life um, and, uh, and just be able to ask them questions uh, it was a rare opportunity for me to be able to sit in a room full of, of experts that I, that, I, that I look up to. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but, but be able to just ask any question. And so that's what I did. I took the time to ask as many questions as I possibly could to a lot of these guys that I respect. And uh, it, was a, it was a challenging time for me, and it was a developing time for me as well. And I got to, um, I got to put myself in the place of David, who we talked about last week. And so we, one, one of the nights we shared and we, we sat down at a dinner table and everybody was talking about their experiences and what they took away from the week that we had. And, and for me, um, 
I'm just, I feel like I'm still in that developmental stage where I feel like God is about to do something big, big in my life, big here at Anchor Church, big, something big's about to happen. And I thought about the life of David, and so when it was my turn to share, I talked about how in my life I've gone through a lot of different things, and I'm at the point now where I feel like where David was when he uh, was, was given the armor from Saul, which we'll get into in a second, and, and he refused it. And then he picked up the stones and he was about to take on Goliath. I feel like my Goliath is right around the corner. I don't know what it is or what's going to happen, but I feel like I'm equipped and I'm ready. And that's the whole point of today's message. So let me read through uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. Uh, and then uh, you can read along up there on the screen as well. It says, then Saul had his military clothes put on David. Okay, Saul was a big guy. David, they think, was in his, his teenage years, so he's not fully developed as, as we would see. He's not swole yet. He hasn't hit up the, the planet fitness, uh, you know, no, no judgment or the judgment-free zone yet. So he's still just this small guy. He didn't even play high school football. It's a shame. He put on a bronze helmet and David's head, he put it on his head and had him uh, put on his armor. And David strapped his sword over his military clothes and tried to walk, but he was not used to them. He said, I can't walk in these. David said to Saul, I'm not used to him. So David took them off. So here Saul says, finally, Saul says, you know what, David, fine, you can go against Goliath. The Philistine army was waiting and had been waiting for a while and had put this major challenge. Goliath walked into this big valley and said, hey, bring your, big, your biggest and your best. I'll take them on. And they were terrified. Nobody wanted to go against Goliath with a stone. But David comes in, and he says, you know what, I'll do it. Saul, let me do it. Let me do it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You can imagine this little ankle biter trying to just, you know, like a Jack Russell, just trying to get out there and make it happen, right? And so Saul says, fine. okay, fine, fine. It's, it's your funeral. But here, wear my armor. You at least have something before you, you, know, you go against this guy. And so David puts it on, and it doesn't fit him. It's not him. It's not his style. It's not his way. It's not, you know, jeans aren't skinny enough for him. So he's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta get out there and I gotta, I gotta do this my own way. And that's kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Like, my whole life I, in ministry, I, I've not really been given direction on how to do things. It's just kind of figuring it out on my own. And sometimes what happens when you're in the ministry trap, you think, you know what, I'm gonna keep doing it the way that somebody else has done. I've watched the way that they do it, and I'm gonna try to do it that way. And in, in, this, in this life, and, and we do it the same way wherever your professions are, even in school, we think I, I've got a certain way that I have to do things. And so what we're doing is we're really putting on Saul's armor, and we think this is, this is the way that it's supposed to be. But David rejects it. He throws it off. He says, this is not me. This is not my style. It's cramping my style. I need to make something happen here. And so it, it, it continues. It says, instead, he took his staff in hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the wadi. The wadi is like a, 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 a valley that could or could not have water in it. It could have been dry at the time. And he put them in his pouch, in his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. He approached Goliath. And so if you've ever heard of the story of David and Goliath, you know that, that David goes against him, slings it with the first rock, hits Goliath in the head, and, and then it gets pretty gruesome after there. But I want to stop right there because I was thinking about this moment. Here's David, a shepherd boy, a teenager. Sure, he's got some experience, but imagine what that was like for him the moment that he 
went over. He already threw off the armor, said, I can't do that, that's not me. And he bent over to pick up the five stones. What was going through his head? Was he confident? Did he pick up five stones because he thought, well, maybe I need more than one? Because we know that the first one is the one that knocked down Goliath. What was going through his mind? He needed something, right? So that's, that's really kind of what's been in my mind. It's like, what was in David's mind when he went to go pick up the stones? The people around him were probably thinking, this small guy, this scrawny guy, what's he going to do? This guy's huge. They say Goliath was around nine feet tall. He's a freak of nature. What's, what's, this, what's this guy going to do? Some people might not have believed him. Saul really didn't believe in him because he tried to give him the armor that didn't fit him, right? Kept telling him no, 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 no. But finally he went. So one thing I, I did is I, I started thinking about what David, what got David to the, po- to the point where he was reaching over to pick up the rocks because if he's going to pick up the rocks, he's probably pretty confident. So what got him to the point where he said, because there's been plenty of times in my life where I was facing something that was really difficult and I got to the point where it was time to pick up the rocks and maybe I didn't do it because I talked myself out of it. I wasn't as confident as I needed to be. So what got David to the point where he sees the rocks and he starts to pick them up and he collects them and he gets ready? A lot of people would laugh at him and think, you know what, he can't do it, there's no way. Let's go backward into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I'm gonna read the first few verses, and this is, this is kind of, this is the backstory of David. In 1 Samuel 16, verse one, the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil, this was an anointing oil, and go, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. See, Jesse lived in Bethlehem, and Saul was not the anointed or the, the, the anointed king that God wanted in place. So God said, you know what, Samuel, I need you to go to Jesse. I have anointed one of his sons. One of his sons is going to be the king of Israel, so take your oil and go get him. And Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about this, and he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a young cow with you and have him... Uh, I have to come to sacrifice for the Lord and then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint me the one I indicate to you. Don't just go and pick one of the sons and think that he's one of the ones. You will find out because I'm going to tell you. Verse four, Samuel said to the Lord, uh, said what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, do you come in peace? They were terrified of this. And he said, I come in peace. I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited him to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and they said, certainly the Lord's anointed is here before him. They said, this is the son. He's gonna be the one. This is the pick of the litter. This is draft day. This is is signing day for the National College Athletics. This is the guy. He's number one on the draft board. He's gonna be the one. It's got to be him. 
But the Lord said unto Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And Jesse called, you could probably pronounce it better than I can, and presented him to Samuel. The Lord has chosen this one, has not chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shemunah, yeah. But Samuel said the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. It's like the picking litter, it's just going down the list. And after Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are these all the sons that you have? All these guys that we thought would have been it. This guy was strong. This guy was good looking. This guy had this. This guy was tall. This guy was, was beefy. This guy was, was husky. This guy had big bones. This guy was ready. This guy was prepared. This guy was the oldest. None of these guys were it. There is still the youngest, he answered. But right now he's tending to the sheep, Samuel told Jesse. Send for him. We won't sit to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him, and he had beautiful eyes. I didn't say it. He said it. And a healthy, handsome appearance. And the Lord said, anoint him, for he is the one. He was the least likely. He was the one that they definitely didn't think that it was going to be. And I don't know how you are in your life, if you feel rejected, if you feel like you're the last one to be picked, if you're the one that, that is looked over constantly, uh, maybe you feel like you've been putting in extra work at, at your office and, and people aren't noticing and, uh, and, and you want to do something about that or you just constantly are the one that is overlooked. I read this the other day and it, said, it says this. I can't put this into my own words. I had to read it right, right from my devotion. It said this, maybe you're somewhere and you feel completely ignored. David learned in the sheep pen that no one paid attention where he learned a skill. See, if you're a shepherd and you're tending the sheep, you've got to watch out for the wolves, you've got to watch out for the lions, you've got to watch out for the bears, the, the tigers, and, and oh my. And David would, was preparing. So while nobody was paying attention, he was out tending the sheep and he was scaring off the wildlife with his sling. And while he was doing that, he was preparing himself and he was getting ready and he was getting better at his aim. And God was doing something in the process. He was learning how to use the sling and that propelled him into leadership. If we want progress in leadership, there is no progress unless we embrace the process of leadership. That means sometimes when we do hard work, some difficult work and some unbelievable work that nobody is gonna see it but God. We don't know about everything that David went through. We just know that he was prepared to take on Goliath with that sling. So in the process, you have to see it. You have to see the process and you have to experience the faith. We've got to get past wanting to be discovered and start to worry about being developed. When we stop screaming at the world, discover me, and start screaming at God, develop me, that's when we're gonna reach our potential. We have to stop screaming at the world, discover me, and tell God to develop me 
for us to be able to reach our full potential. And look at what was happening with David. In the process of him being this little shepherd boy, we keep calling him this little shepherd boy, that it was least likely for him to take on Goliath. Well, behind the scenes, when we look at the process, when we start to see the process, we can understand the faith that he had when he went to bend over and pick up that rock. He had faith that the God was behind him, that he was anointed, that he was the one that was gonna take on Goliath with this stone. So in our lives, when we start to have doubt and we start to have these things, these thoughts creep into our life and we think, man, I don't know if I'm capable. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know if I'm prepared. That's the measure of our faith. So when I start to think about, is this what God wants for me? Did I, did, I, did I say no to Kenya a couple years ago and that was my fault and I missed on, on what God wanted for me and is, is Anchor Church really what, what God wanted for me? Then I start to think about the process and I look back and see where God was in the process because he was there. About a year and a half ago, I felt, you know what? It's time for me to launch out because three years ago, I thought, you know, I think God wants me to start a church and a year and a half ago, that's where I felt like it became real and I started to explore it and I started to tell more people about it. I, I announced it to the church that I was at that I think that God wants me to plant a church, and I don't know what that looks like, but I think that it's gonna happen at some point in my life. Little did I know that two months later, we were gonna be sitting in a parking lot at a high school on the other side of town, and we're having a conversation with a lady, and the lady says, well, that's fine. There's a church already at the school that you're at right now, but we're, really, where do you wanna be? And we, we, my wife and I started spending time here in Maitland, and we loved it, and we met some people here, and we thought, this is a great place, but maybe there's not really a, a church that we see that, is, that, 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 that we see that, that, that God might have for us. So we thought, well, maybe Maitland's the place. So we told the lady, we're thinking Maitland, but we know there's not a high school there. And she said, well, I can't really tell you this today, but you called for a reason. And that reason is that there's a new principal at Maitland Middle School, and he wants a church on his campus. See, sometimes we don't see the process. So we said, oh my goodness, are you, are you, are you for real? So in that moment, we drove 20 minutes to come, and we, we, we met out here in this parking lot. And, 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 and I was brave enough to come inside and talk to the, I'm just kidding, Danielle was literally kicking me out the door saying, hey, you need to get in there and talk to somebody. Amen. Yeah. And so I went inside and I started talking. I said, hey, we're, we're interested, like just a little feeble, little, like, hey, we're talking about renting maybe this space. Oh, what do you want to rent it for? Uh, a church? And so I met Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown's the assistant principal here. And he started talking about what that would look like. And he said, hey, would you like to see the facilities? I said, sure. I was in there with like 20 minutes with him. And I said, hey, my wife and my kids are in the car. Would you mind? He said, your wife and kids are in the car? Go get them. <laughs> Bring them in. They can see the facilities too. So we walk inside and, and Mr. Leftakis, who's the principal here at the school, and Mr. Brown are there and they're walking us around for the next hour talking about what a church would look like here at Maitland Middle School. Two months later, I felt like I don't know if I was being released to do this quite yet. And uh, we were talking to, to Domerick Elementary School and maybe we would potentially rent them. And I, at one point, I, 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 I had to have a, a tough conversation and tell my pastor that I think the time is now. But I felt like I was waiting and waiting and waiting on that process to, to be able to have that conversation. And I said it. I finally said what I needed to say. I was like, I think it's now. I think we, we have a place. And then, I'm not kidding, five minutes later, I got a call from Domerick that said, hey, we would love for you to rent our space as well. And there's been little things that have happened in the process. And, and, and if, for me to stand up here and say, I don't know if this is what God's called me to do, in our lives, we need to see the process. We need to be reminded of what, what God has already done in our life to be able to stand firm and to experience the faith to take on the next big thing. 
I could tell you about the journey about my wife. There was a time when I was a sophomore in, in college where I was dating a girl for a long time, and, and, and I, I thought, I'm going to marry this girl, and, and we broke up, and I, I, I prayed. I was, I, I was crying. I was weeping. I said, God, please help me be with the girl that I'm supposed to marry. Help me be with her. And then in two months' time, I was moving from Jacksonville to Gainesville to be closer to the ex-girlfriend that I had at the time, and I thought, oh, God's answering my prayers. And I didn't have any friends in Gainesville, so I thought, I need to do something to have friends, so I got a job at Hollister. Don't laugh. I said, don't laugh. So I got a job at Hollister, and I met tons of people. And the girlfriend that I had, we started to get back together, and things were good for a little while, but she got jealous because of all the people that I was meeting, especially all the girls that I was hanging around all the time. And that didn't really fly with her. And it was almost like, hey, you gotta leave your job, or you gotta leave me. I'm like, I don't know, this is a fun job. I'm gonna keep doing this. <laughs> and if you don't know, Hollister and Abercrombie & Fitch are the same company, so I started working for Abercrombie & Fitch too because they were right next door to each other, and I got a free pair of jeans for working for them. It's a good reason to work there. And this was one of the most difficult times in my life because I was heartbroken. But I needed to be around people. So I thought, you know what? At the very least, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna hang around people that I know and just experience life with people. So I go into work. About my third day of work, and this girl was bossing me around. And I thought, who's this girl bossing me around? She had, if she's a manager, she didn't introduce herself as one and, What's up with that? And then finally she said, hey, I need you to do this. And I'm like, well, hey, my name's Justin. And she said, hey, my name's Danil. I'm the manager here today. See, God kind of works in mysterious ways and he does different things. And so for me, when I was praying and weeping and crying in my bed, don't get that, take that picture out of your head. But I was <laughs> devastated and I was praying, God, please help me find the one that I'm supposed to marry and I thought that he had answered it in one way, but he was moving, moving me to a place where he was going to answer it and fulfill it. And sometimes when we think, man, is this where I'm supposed to be or is this who I'm supposed to be with? You could think those things and you could have those thoughts run through your mind and it can really distort where you are if you don't look back and see the process of what God is doing in your life. And I'm telling you today that God's doing something in your life. I don't know if you're discouraged, if you're unhappy, if you're depressed, if wherever you are in this life, I guarantee you, if you were to look back and think about the decisions and the things that you've done, whether they were right or they were wrong, God is in the process. Because you're here today and God wants to do something in your life. See the process and experience the faith. If you take a look back and you start to think about what God was doing in your life at different moments in your life and how you ended up to where you are right now, whether you are happy or you're sad, there's a process and experience the faith that is found in the process. That's what happened with David. David, when he went to pick up the stones, he was thinking, you know what? I've taken on lions, I've taken on bears, I've taken on a lot of things in my life already. This is not gonna be a big deal. Besides, God's behind me. And if you're a child of God, God's behind you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.